Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Random Acts of Television. I am your host, Andrea Cooley. And I'm your other host, John Bucci. So, John. Yes. What have you been watching these last couple weeks? Recently, I've been watching the new X-Men show, The Gifted. Oh, yeah, that's right. You said you were uh, looking forward to watching that, right? Yeah, I was really surprised because, honestly, I wasn't expecting it to be very good. Why not? It's Brian Singer is the one that's kind of developing it and pushing it forward and everything like that. And I don't like what he's done with those characters. And I I just didn't think it was going to be good based on the movies that he's made in this universe. So Brian Singer's X-Men movies were not what brought you into the X-Men franchise? No. What brought you into the X-Men franchise? The comic books. Okay. So what did he do right now with The Gifted that's better than with the films? I mean, there are things that I don't like about it. Like, I, I, the whole thing is these two kids get powers, and it's about them trying to understand it. And I wish they would just take that out of it and make it about this group of mutants that are trying to, like, fight and protect people like them that are being persecuted by the law. And so I wish it was just about them. But I have been enjoying the storylines and the characters and what they've been doing with it overall. How many episodes are there so far? There's been three. Oh, okay. Well, it sounds good. I mean, I'd watch it, I guess. Yeah, I would check it out because it's a group of characters that we haven't seen yet. And the storyline is very much about them trying to survive in this world that's persecuting them, which is where I think the X-Men are best. Yeah, no, I, well, I mean, the X-Men, the whole franchise of the X-Men is really based on a, it's a critique on racism, essentially. So if that's really the themes they're dealing with, then it's, it's best to stick with your themes, not exploring all these other ideas. Well, I binged on Netflix's Glow, and I'm absolutely in love with it. I do remember the wrestling mania of the 80s, and it was always guys, so I never knew about the gorgeous ladies of wrestling. I, I wish I did, but um, it's, it's such Don't we a all? yeah. I mean, it, it it's you have to check it out on. I think you can YouTube some of the actual show, but um, the the Netflix show, which and I guess I'll say it's the story of a bunch of floundering actresses and nobodies who have been typecasted essentially to sell this ridiculous over-the-top ladies wrestling show that really is just an excuse to get men to watch it because it's women wrestling, which it works. Yeah, I mean, it solely works. But, I mean, Alison Brie um, does, I think, some of her best acting in this, and I never heard of uh, Betty Gilpin before. I mean, I think she was in Masters of Sex, but I've never seen her before this. And Mark Marin, I mean, I, I've not watched any of his Netflix specials. I, I don't really watch a lot of the stand-up stuff. I, I need to start doing that. But he is both pathetic and funny and snarky. I mean, he's just this weird blend of things that come together. And he's actually in this really, well, this is me. So, of course, I like weird people and weird things. So there's something kind of attractive about him in this movie or the show. I don't know. What exactly is the tone of the show? Because I know... Alison Brie has been in a lot of like goofy, ridiculous 
kind of comedies, and it seems like this guy is a comedian. Yeah. I would say in a lot of ways it's it's definitely a dramedy, I would say. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I've heard some people say that there's no such thing as a dramedy. I, I don't want to get into that. It It's a dramedy. I would say it's a dramedy. It has this really great blend of funny moments and yet some really dark moments. And there's a few jokes and scenes that you would not expect to laugh at. I was really surprised at one particular scene. And I don't want to say what it is because I don't want to give away spoilers, but there was just one scene where you would not expect to hear a joke and there's a joke landed. And it was, it really made me like the show even more because it, I think it takes um, risks and I like that. I know that Genji Cohen had some hand in it in some way or her her producing team. Um, I know that Liz Flava and Carla Mensch, Carly Mensch, I've done this show. They created it, but they did such a great job with it. Some excellent female characters, and it's what the world needs more of these days, to be honest. But really, really a great show to watch for how to develop interesting, unique characters and put them all and put them all together. Well, I will have to check that out. Yeah, and the other one that I watched, which I mean, everybody raves about this show it's actually not even a show it's just an eight part series but the night of it was it was just amazing steve zalian and richard price created that and uh they did such an amazing job i know zalian i think he directed a few of the episodes and of course well deserved for riz riz ahmed yes he definitely deserved that best acting oh yeah he's fantastic he really is, and it's just so refreshing to see more diversity in these shows. And I think especially with this show, I keep calling it a show. I guess, it, again, to say it's a series, it, it's just an amazing concept to just go, hey, we're just going to tell the story, like Big Little Lies, another huge winner at the end. Yeah. It's also same kind of concept. We're going to just show you eight episodes of this series. It goes back to the days of the TV movie. I mean, those were huge in the '80s and in some in parts of the '90s. These they never were these big. They were big events, but no one really remembers them now. Except I think, it. Except Hallmark. Yeah, except Hallmark. Yeah, it's just a great idea to just step into this little world and then step out of it. And we may not continue it. We probably won't. But here, here's a great story. Yeah, I really like that. TV is changing to that. You don't have to make a. 24 episode long season and five seasons you can just put out eight episodes effectively telling the story it, it, you could see it continuing but it may not I mean, it doesn't have to always continue and that's why i always hate sequels it's like why do we have to have a sequel why can't you just be satisfied with this there needs to be six transformers movies at least at least because there's only so many times you can see crap exploding and trucks turning into robots. That's all I want to see. Well, you and every other person who's gone and seen that garbage. But anyway, now I guess we should say that we watched a show together. Yes. The new Netflix original Mindhunter. That was amazing. Did you like yes, it? Yes, it was. I I did. Did you want to give your spin on what the what the premise of this show, Mindhunter, is about? The premise of Mindhunter is a group of FBI agents 
and a psychologist from Boston have come together and they're trying to interview violent criminals to figure out what makes them, and this is a term that they coined in the show, serial killers. I liked the show. There were some episodes that I liked less than others. And there's also aspects about the characters that I thought either didn't need to be in the show because I didn't understand why they were there. And there was, at least with the main character, Holden, his relationship with his girlfriend was very interesting and telling. But there was some aspects of it that I did not like, but I think that was also meant to be there so that you could see what being around men who talk about killing women and validating it and just talking about it like you would talk about how you mow the lawn this morning, about how being around someone like that, it's unaffected by their violent behavior, what that ends up doing to you as you listen to it and even because you're trying to gain their trust, you validate what they do in a sense. So what what does that do to you when you almost throw your morals out the window? How does that affect your other relationships? That was interesting. Yeah, I like the show so much more because it takes this character that is kind of sweet and awkward and likable and then turns him into this character that you absolutely hate by the end because of how he's acting. Yeah, I just I wanted to punch him in the face. I did too. <laughs> so the reviews have been mixed. Yet I think overall, I, th- I think it's going to be greenlit for a second season. I, I would be surprised if it wasn't. David, fin- so. David Fincher is such a great director and he was also an executive producer on the show. So it's Fincher usually gets it right. I think it'll be interesting to see if this show keeps up because I know some shows that are similar haven't. Like, when I think about Hannibal, which is one of my favorite shows of all time. Oh, it's, that's a good show, too. That's in a very similar vein of, like, dark and getting into the mind of a serial killer and stuff like that. And that only lasted three seasons. Yeah, unfortunately, darker content shows do seem to not last as long. And that could be the perfect segue into the show that we were forced to watch. The show that's lasted forever? Yes, I guess we should go back and say that at the end of the last episode when we were talking about the Americans, the random searcher chose for us the Big Bang Theory and there was stone silence, stone cold silence for me for about 30 seconds, which is not normal. And I was just smiling from ear to ear because of of her silence. You were laughing. Full disclosure, I was not happy when I heard that we were watching Big Bang Theory. I was not either. And yeah, we're not fans of that style of humor. I, I, and I'll say it for another time. I'm not really a fan of CBS shows, and Big Bang Theory is definitely a CBS show. Yes, so, it is. Yes. Through uh, and through. So do you, I guess I'll start with the premise of the show is about a group of scientists that have been friends for a while. Um, they're very socially awkward white males. Mo- most of them are white. There is one Indian male. 
and they are living in an apartment and the pilot episode begins with a very attractive blonde girl moves across the hallway from them and they, well, at least one of them is very smitten with her. And you see that the show is going to be about how can he date, he, this very nerdy male, date this very attractive, somewhat less intelligent female. My first question with that is, what exactly do these people do? Because they're always walking around in these graphic t-shirts, and even when they show the shots of them actually at their jobs, they're dressed totally casual, and it's never really understood what they do at all. And I guess that doesn't matter for the premise of the show, but for me personally, I was just like, what do these people do? Well, what they do is they have a, an exclusive producing relationship with Warner Brothers where they are able to use DC comic <laughs> characters. So we're going to see lots of Flash, lots of Green Lantern shirts. Yes, they, in the episode where they all show up as the Flash for the Halloween party. Shameless Warner Brothers promoting. Yeah, it's I, that's a good point. I was actually looking more at Penny's attire. And there were times that I felt that it was overtly pink. I know that, well, look, we, we, we've all been in films and I, I've been, I've helped with production design and wardrobe. I know that every character kind of has like their palette. So I can see, okay, fine, her palette is pink. But if I may just say that in a show where it's primarily aimed towards males and it's about males the fact that they have her wearing pink and she's a girl just kind of annoys me. I think it's just lazy psychology. And that's actually an interesting point to bring up because the majority of the audience is female. I, I was shocked when you told me that the demographic for the audience is mostly female. It, it's close, though, isn't it? I mean, it's it's similar. Yeah, it's, it's pretty close. And I wonder what the reason for that is because they're not overtly, well... I was about to say they're not overtly misogynistic, but at times... Now, look, we only watched the first season, which is our general rule if we've never seen a show. So I only, I only know this more because of the following seasons. I've read some things where Sheldon... At times, he is misogynistic towards women. I felt, at least in this season, it was more... He looks down on everybody. Yeah, most of those kind of misogynistic jokes come from Howard, if anybody. Yeah, and I mean, that's always classic. I mean, look, each of these characters is not reinventing the wheel in any way, shape, or not form. Not at all. And and I think there's good and bad to that. Chuck, I mean, Chuck Lorre is a legend in, in, in television. He's got Darman, Greg, Sybil, Grace Under Fire, Mom, Two and a Half Men. He's got The Young Sheldon, which is a spinoff of Big Bang Theory. And he has the new Netflix show, Disjointed. I mean, he is, he's even been a writer on Roseanne. He has been in this industry for a very long time. So love him or hate him or his body of work, he at least, the man knows what he's doing. The man gets millions of dollars in residual checks. You have to at least respect him for what he's accomplished in television. So... Tip of the cap, full respect. Um, but I I just think, though, that each of these characters, they're just such a trope. They're not 
flesh and blood to me. So when you're watching them interact with each other, it just seems a bit formulaic. And again, I feel that's a typical thing from a CBS show as well. Now, I was expecting to not laugh at most of these shows, but I actually was surprised at how often I did chuckle and at times genuinely laughed out loud. Yeah, there were bits that I genuinely laughed at as well. I don't like the show, and we'll get into why, but I was surprised that I liked the show more than I thought I would, I guess. Whereas with the Americans, I was so excited about the show and very disappointed by the first season. I think with this show, Big Bang Theory, I was expecting it just to be super, super dumb, really terrible acting. And I walked away with, there's some times where the performance seemed overacted. And then there were times, though, where I thought they did a really great job. And I was actually more endeared towards the characters. I would completely agree with that sentiment. So what did you like about the show? I liked how they would set up jokes for each other. Like this kind of goes back to what I said about Futurama a little bit. They had a good chemistry of setting up jokes for each other and someone else would come and knock it down. And I thought they did that very well. I was just at a screenwriting symposium that actually was on CBS Studios on their lot. And one of the big things they said was the best kind of jokes are character-based jokes. And I think that the person who was speaking was somebody who was either in the writer's room for Big Bang or had worked on it previously. But you can see definitely that's so much there in this show. Character-based jokes. Know who they are immediately, and then you can start building your jokes. And it does make it funnier. Yeah, they they definitely know who each character is and how they act within the space that they create for them. Which, with borrowing from heavy nerd tropes, it allows you to do that. It's it's kind of like as soon as you see a nerd, you're like, and what are those classic things? Thick, dark glasses, plaid shorts, kind of pasty white and skinny. Yeah. You, you know, those are kind of the classic things that you then throw on this person and go, oh, they're a nerd. You can then, as the writer, take that and just build all these jokes around it. And that kind of leads into something that I didn't like about the show. Okay. Which was the fact that they did use very tropey nerd characters because it's not like they're making a show for these people. It's like they're making a show for people that like to laugh at these people. May I say, going into this show, I thought it was a show that was for nerds. And you're right. After watching it, I realized, no, it's not a show for nerds. Yeah, and they they clearly show that in certain instances. Like, there's an episode where they buy a replica time machine from the movie Time Machine. And Sheldon goes on to explain the plot of Time Machine to his three other friends who participated in buying the time machine and probably already know the plot of the movie. So your point is? That they're if they were nerds and they wouldn't need that explained to them. They also talk about these scientific concepts that are talked about a lot and they present them in ways that it's like, this is this new discovery that I'm making and I am so intelligent. Like, they discuss teleportation and how teleportation would actually involve 
not you traveling from one place to another, but you dying and then a copy of you showing up in someplace else. And that's been something that's been talked about for a very long time when it comes to popular science. But in this show, it's like this revelation because it's a revelation to the average person that's watching it, not to the nerd that's already heard about this 30 different times. That's the whole premise of the, not the whole premise, but I mean, that's this big thing in the movie, the Christopher Nolan movie, The Prestige, that was about yeah. that, was about real teleportation. You know, that's that's not really revelatory at all. <laughs> exactly, but they present it in a way that it is revelatory, that it's like, I'm a genius because I just said this. There certainly has been a, an outcry from the nerd community that exists on Reddit and other internet safe havens. And they, by and large, do not like this show because it seems, from what I've read, they seem to think that they are the butt of the joke rather than part of the joke. They don't really show that they're nerds. Like, there's been people that have said, oh, he's supposed to be uh, an astrophysicist or whatever he is, I don't remember. But he, you don't actually see him doing anything like that. And then there's, he he does things on the computer, so he's a computer nerd. But he only ever, like, he talks about installing Windows. He does. You don't see him doing it. It's all talk, and it's all wacky references and T-shirts. I think that's a good point. Whereas myself as a nerd. Are you coming out, John? Wait, you're coming out as a nerd? I I, I don't know. I just talked about the X-Men for <laughs> five minutes at the beginning of the podcast. I think it's pretty obvious. Well, okay. Here's a question then. Maybe it's not so obvious anymore about what is nerd because I think what Chuck Lorre has done is he's taking all of these classic nerd things and packaged them up for the rest of everybody to understand, which is why now it's yeah. not an, an authentic nerd show to nerds. They see what he's doing with it. That's why they don't like it. So then, but but it, admittedly in the last, well, I'll just say 15 years or so, nerd culture has become so ingrained into regular culture. It's not a subset anymore. So what is now the fringe? Now, what What is nerd culture now with things like Star Wars being so popular, Star Trek, all of Marvel and DC are now making buttloads of money off of movies with their characters what what is now nerd culture to you i think this show definitely takes the very shallow approach to nerd culture and i think that's is where you separate what is nerd culture and what is popular culture because popular culture is very baseline it's easy it's digestible it's oh, I go and I watch a Spider-Man movie and I like Spider-Man. But nerd culture is like, I own Amazing Spider-Man number 162 and I prefer Spider-Man 2099 over Peter Parker and dipping into the fringes. Like, you can watch a Star Wars movie and then you can own a replica lightsaber. And I think there's a bit of a difference there because you're not just spending $15 on a movie ticket you're spending multiple hundreds of dollars on something that is quote-unquote from the movies. I guess I would agree and disagree with that. 
I agree with you about the knowledge aspect of defining a nerd. Because, like you said, you can know what Star Wars is, and you can know all the characters, the main characters, but do you rewatch the DVD with the commentary? Do you digest every book that was written by other authors continuing the Star Wars universe? And do you know the difference between canon and non-canon and, and so on and so forth? And I think that's, that's the, the knowledge and that's what makes a nerd a nerd these days. It's not necessarily that you wear a Star Wars shirt because let's let's face it, Star Wars is so damn popular. Everybody owns a Star Wars shirt now. It's not really a You can go to Walmart and get one for ten dollars. It's it's nothing special anymore. There's certain franchises that will just forever be popular with the general masses. Star Wars is one. I think Harry Potter is another one, and I say that because you give me crap. I do, and I'm gonna I'm gonna come out oh and boy. say I do own about four different Harry Potter, well, not character wands from the world of Harry Potter. And if I may, I think that's the thing. No, it's- you specify that the different characters, and you get them because you prefer these characters. Yes, I I happen to love Bellatrix Lestrange. I I identify with her and. They're not just wands. They're they aren't. They, they're like the special ones that like activate things at the theme park, aren't they? Well, I got that for the kids. I mean, my Bellatrix doesn't do that. I wanted it because I loved her wand. It was so freaking cool. And of course, I had to get um, Snape's wand as well. Of course. Yes, but no, the kids. The kids all all three of them have the interactive wands because they're the ones that are going to be going around the park. Well, okay, I guess I'll say this. I did borrow one to try it out myself a few times. You are a nerd, and you have I no nerd children. No, I am not. Listen. Yes, you are. There's so many people that are you going own a, around. You own a long box of comic books. Multiples. I own two long boxes. <laughs> You're a nerd. Accept it. I don't. I mean, if I am one then fine. But I guess I'm just me and I won't categorize myself. I don't see myself as a nerd. I see myself as this awkward woman that is hard to put into a category. I think that's the thing about a lot of these subcultures is they don't want popular culture to come and put them in a category. So Chuck Lorre, do you like his work overall? Do you think that Big Bang Theory deserves the praise and the the numbers that it has i've watched big bang theory of course i've watched two and a half men i think for the intended audience it's great for people that like it that's fine like it it gives you exactly what you want i think it can be funny at times i'm not i'm certainly not going to deny that but overall it's just not for me like it'll be something that i'll have on in the background yeah, like if it's on the TV and I'm doing something else, I won't change it. But I'm not going to go out of my way to watch his shows. I've seen bits of Grace Under Fire, uh, Sybil, because I love Sybil Shepherd. I never watched Dharma and Greg. I don't know why. Just never really struck me as a show I'd be interested in. And you know what? I'm going to say it right here, right now. Never watched Two and a Half Men. Gasp. 
he also did write for Roseanne. And it's a good show. I haven't seen it in so long, so... They're doing a revival. Yeah, that's interesting. In my memories, I remember it being a good show. But I'd have to watch it again to kind of validate that opinion. I have not watched Mom. I would have to say the one I'm most interested in is Disjointed on Netflix because I like Kathy Bates and I would like to see what a show about a pot dispensary looks like. I know that this was single camera work. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, this is not multicam. This is this is shot like a movie, so very different vibe to it. And so maybe for me, if you get me out of that comedy, everything's brightly lit multicam universe with the laugh track and all that garbage, I maybe I'll enjoy a show of his. Yeah, I, I would definitely be willing to check that out. I know that you had commented earlier about the laugh track thing, and the laugh track is just ridiculous. Yes, it is. When I was at CBS for a taping, you know what? Let me just pause here and say, it's really interesting how much I don't like CBS, and yet in the last month I have been there twice. I, Whatever. <laughs> I hate you, but I'm. I hate studio. you, but I'm. But I'm here. Well, I got free tickets to see a taping, so I wanted to see how does this work. I mean, look, CBS is practically the only network that's still doing live audience multicam sitcoms anymore. They may not be, but I think they are. I think everybody else has moved on to shooting them, like they do in film. But anyway, so I went to a taping of Nine JKL. And the thing was, is they have this, they call them audience warmers. And this guy was, you know, had a DJ pumping out music and he was really encouraging everybody to, first of all, in between takes and when the crew was setting up and there was nothing going on, they had loud music and wanting everybody to get up and dance and be ridiculous And they were bribing you with gift cards to all kinds of places if you were very boisterous and flamboyant. Really? Yeah. So the whole thing is they want this lively audience and they're really encouraging you to laugh. And we know intrinsically when a joke is being said. So, So when they go for take, they do a few takes. And at that point, you've already heard it a couple times. So it's not as funny anymore, but you know you need to laugh. Yeah. And and so what ends up happening, you laugh way more than you normally do because you know you're trying to sell the joke. That is an interesting perspective to have going into these shows. So we're probably not going to watch Big Bang Theory again, but we didn't completely hate it. Like we thought we would. No, I I was ready to completely skewer the show. But I'm walking away saying, no, it's not for me. And I think there are some issues like making fun of nerds rather than embracing them. I also would like to add there is actual misogyny that is a little troubling and also some racism. I, I If I can just say really quick, I didn't really like how they handle Raz. I think he's really stereotyped as oh, yeah. an Indian male. And I just think that that's wrong. And how at times they talk about the women or how they're treated and placed in the show. Yes, they have a place in the show, but they don't really get the same attention or respect in some ways that the males do on the show. Anyway, that's just real quick. But And they do add more female characters, so maybe that changes. We just don't know. 
Yes, yes. I know that Mayim Bollock ends up playing Sheldon's girlfriend. And I think that's an interesting dynamic to add to Sheldon's character. But still, I don't think that they handle, just like they don't handle nerds very well, why would you expect them to handle female characters very well? But aside from all those things, it's not a bad show. You certainly understand why, surprisingly, they have more viewers than Game of Thrones. That astounds me. But I, I don't know if I understand it on that level, but I understand why it's a popular show. Yeah. Well... I think you know what time it is. You know, I'm really afraid right now. It's time to pick the next show. This random generator acts like an abusive boyfriend. You just never know what you're going to get. Next episode will be about Psych. (gasps) Oh my god. Yay. This is the first time I can actually pick my favorite season. I have seen all of them. I have not seen all of them. Oh, my word. I have seen... Cool, because my family used to watch this, but then we stopped. And so I've seen up to the season where the season finale is where Sean's dad gets shot. So I need to find whatever season that is and watch the next one. Okay. I am really... I I love this show. And they are in the news recently at New York Comic Con. They announced that they were doing a show. And so they're getting all back together to do a show. And I'm really, really excited about that. My my family, my my parents, my, you know, my kids, my, we all, we all love to watch this show. It is such a quotable show. There are some quotes that just, we still say to this day. I, I would even say that the really almost derived almost entirely from that show. It is said so many times. I am excited. I, I take back what I said about you, Random Generator. You are not an abusive boyfriend. <laughs> I'm sure they appreciate it. Well. Yes. That's all for this episode. Make sure to check out our blog randomactsoftelevision.wordpress.com where you can find links to our social media pages and articles we will be writing. I know Andrea has something planned for Mindhunter. Yes, I do. So, look forward to that. <laughs> uh, the intro and outro music for this show was provided by Kevin McLeod at IncomeTech.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.